one. All right, welcome to Brand New Podcast. A really good edition, a Manassas edition. Um, like to introduce my uh, co-host for this evening. She's pinch hitting for Matt. Sophie, Hi. this is her first time, so everyone go easy on her. Um, we have the whole Manassas City Council slate. We have uh, incumbent councilman Ian Lovejoy, and we have Harry Clark and Lynn Forkle Green that are hoping to join them in city council. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. All right. Hi. Hello, hello. Um, Ian, let's start with you. You've been, um, you're an incumbent city council, on city council. What have you done um, on city council to really ensure that Manassas keeps moving forward in a positive direction in a business-friendly direction? Um, probably the biggest accomplishment was two years ago when we had the groundbreaking for the Micron expansion. So we were able to work with Micron to ensure uh, that they were able to double the size of their manufacturing facility here in the city, which um, secured an additional 1,500 jobs. Um, and those are jobs directly with Micron. Of course, uh, there's also been a ripple effect. So a couple of other industries have expanded their um base in the city, uh, companies that service Micron or work with Micron have also expanded and added uh, facilities in the city and employment. But um, the big piece of that is that a lot of people don't know, but Micron as it stands, is, the Manassas facility was one of the smallest facilities in the Micron manufacturing portfolio. So they have sites in other states in the United States, they have sites around the country. And there was always this concern that the Micron site in Manassas, because it was the smallest one in the fleet, was always kind of on the bubble and was always kind of rumored to be the one that you know was always being eyed for potential downsizing or being shut down. So by doing the expansion, we not only secured the 1,500 jobs that exist now, but added an additional 1,500 jobs um, that are all anchored to a $3 billion expansion of the physical plant. So Micron's not going anywhere. They just invested $3 billion in the city of Manassas, which um, is the largest capital investiture in Commonwealth history, in modern history at least. Um, so we've secured the existing jobs, we've added um, additional ones, and what's great about it is these are positions that a student at Osborne High School can go, go out, get a certification at Northern Virginia Community College, and go into Micron making 80000 plus benefits without an actual college degree. So a big piece of that was making sure that these jobs could be filled by locals, that it wasn't just importing engineers and highly technical proficient people, but that the jobs were accessible to our local residents. And so um, if you're looking for work right now because the economy has shifted, there's probably work at Micron for you, regardless of what your background is. So I think that's helped keep the city relevant and you know enhance our job base. Well, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, why you're running again? <laughs> oh, sure. So I'm Ian Lovejoy. Um, I've served on the city council since 2012. So that's two terms. Um, I'm running again because um, it, it kind of feels like the work is never complete. Really excited about the progress that we've made, but there's more work that can be done. And I think that... Um, there's a, you know, there's a niche that I fill on the city council that I didn't see being filled by other people coming in. I may not look it, but I'm relatively young by city council standards. I'm 38, which when I started this, I was 30. So I was particularly young then, but um, the average age of a, of a resident in Manassas is 33. And so I don't think it behooves you to have a council made up of people, completely made up of people in the latter portion of their lives when so many people are here starting, I know I, I, I'm throwing Harry <laughs> under the bus. We need you, Harry. But, um, shot down Harry's campaign. Yeah, shot down Harry, but 
I'd balance your age. You bet you balance <laughs> it out. But you know, having every council decision made by people who are kind of at the different chapters of their lives while other individuals are just riding theirs. So if you're looking at tax policy, housing policy, things that people want in the community, uh, particularly when it comes to money. So again, if you're people who are in their 20s and 30s are building a life and the tax impacts are more meaningful to them than they might be for people who are more seasoned and established in their lives. So that's still a niche that I think needs to be filled on the council and I wanted to keep filling it. Well, Lynn, uh, we'll start with you, Lynn and Harry. Why are you crazy enough to join them? <laughs> this chapter in your life. Um, Lynn, you go first. Yeah, we'll start with you, Lynn. Oh, thanks, Harry. Um, yeah, so basically a few years ago, I got involved and I was finding myself only attending meetings when I was complaining. So I made the decision to attend every meeting possible so that I was more knowledgeable about what was going on and that I could also be in the know before there was a complaint. And I think that's a very important something that most of us don't do. So through, through those efforts, um, I was asked to consider to run and I said no at first and then I said yes. And I did that because I feel like there's also a missing element on the council and that's somebody who really advocates for transparency, that advocates for processes and procedures to be followed or changed if they're no longer working and advocates for Manassas City residents always. And that's what I intend to do. I'm a, go ahead, Harry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was going to ping pong it to you. Okay. Uh, well, for those of you who are just tuning in, I'm Harry Clark. Uh, I'm a candidate for the Manassas City Council. I've lived in the city for about 30 years. My wife and I uh, uh, settled here in December of 1990 uh, while I was still on active duty in the Army. Uh, I'm chairman of the Planning Commission, a member of the Regional Airport Commission. Uh, and I'm chairman of the Manassas City Board of Equalization. So I know how the city works. I've been involved in city affairs and uh, city governance for the, to, to, uh, as from an administrative standpoint uh, since about 2002. Uh, I retired uh, from the Army in 1994, and then I retired from business after uh, serving in the, uh, in the, uh, the Pentagon for about 19 years. Uh, retired from business in uh, 2016. And I figured I'd uh, spend the rest of my life laying on my couch and having a good time. But uh, I'm seeing the city move in a, a direction that I, I, I kind of don't like. Uh, they seem to have an appetite for higher taxes uh, without any reference to what people are feeling. Uh, the, the city manager came in with a, with a tax rate of $1.44 for $100 of assessed value. And uh, he really squeezed, I know he really squeezed staff because I've watched it on uh, Planning Commission and Airport Commission. He really squeezed city staff to just take and buy just what they need. Uh, city Council turned around and raised that by two cents a, uh, per $100 of assessed value, which in the face of a pandemic, uh, in the face of all of the economic hardships people are going through, that doesn't make sense to me. So I, I decided to uh, that this was the time that I needed to step forward and see if I could get uh, an elective office. And this is the first elective office I've run for, uh, probably the last. Uh, I'm 71. If I do get elected, I'll be uh, 70, almost 72 when I'm sworn in and almost 76 when my term ends. So 
I've got two daughters that are, one's going to be probably in the Middle East and one's in uh, California, Death Valley. So I'm going to be doing some traveling. But until that time, I am going to be a full-time city council member uh, to do the business of the city uh, and to keep the city as a vibrant and diverse city that it is, the vibrant and diverse population that it has. That's great. Um, you know, you spoke a little bit about it, Harry, but what, what do you guys feel is the biggest issue that uh, is really facing Manassas and that the city council really can um, help uh, maneuver the well, situation? The biggest issue right now is the, their appetite for higher taxes. I mean, we've got four people on city council that voted for higher taxes in the face of uh, pandemic uh, economic hardships, uh, pandemic generated economic hardships. And that's just not, they really have not articulated a good reason for doing that other than we can. Uh, they also seem to have a, um, uh, an appetite for uh, projects that don't seem to be very well thought out like uh, the Grant Street Street Street. Yeah, let me get my, put my teeth back in the Grant Street streetscape uh, project, uh, which admittedly is in the comprehensive plan that uh, I helped write and signed off on. But still, the I attended a, uh, a city council town hall type meeting at the airport about uh, three weeks ago, I think it was. And it was clear from the people of Georgetown South, the, the, the neighborhood that uh, Grant Street runs right by, they weren't happy with the project and they didn't feel that they were consulted. They didn't feel that they knew enough about the project. And I, I believe every one of them spoke against the project. So I think city council needs to step back and listen to the people, listen to their concerns a little bit better. Well, Ian, Ian and, uh, and Lynn, um, you know, Harry's fired up about taxes. Another thing, and, and I guess, Ian, you could pivot off of that since you're on city council um, fighting these battles, but also a huge issue, I would say, is home affordability as well. Right. You know, we I, I would springboard, yeah. I mean, to your yeah. point, to Harry's point, the, the, the one thing the council has the most power over when it comes to the affordability of living in the city is the tax rate. Yeah. So whenever a government is saying affordable housing, affordability, 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 they almost always ignore the fact that, you know, most people try to conquer affordability through land use policy and having a diverse mix of housing built and having those types of policies in place. And that's convenient because they're completely ignoring the piece of the, um, the pie that they have the most control over, which is the tax rate. So every penny we add to the tax rate, every $100 here, $100 there, we add to the tax bills in the city are adding to the affordability crisis, which is brewing uh, in Manassas. And it is a crisis. Right now, our affordability metrics aren't good. They're not getting better. And um, you know, every year, it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you add four, five, six, seven percent to the tax bill year over year over year, that's like compounding interest. And you know, Einstein said one of the greatest forces of our universe in the universe is compounding interest because over time that the principal amount doubles, your bill will double, and it happens so slowly. So we aren't, you know, we all kind of look at our, our sister city as a cautionary tale, Manassas Park, um, where economies of scale have definitely worked against its benefit, and it, they're really struggling, and they're the only city in the Commonwealth that has a tax rate higher than the city of Manassas, and we aren't there yet, but 
you know, give it 15, 20, 10, 15, 20 years. And the city will eventually reach a point where, you know, we only have 1,500 roof, 15,000 rooftops to tax uh, and only 42,000 people living here. So eventually uh, you're going to have a council down the road that's going to be looking back at decisions we're making today and ask and thinking, you know, you raise things too quickly and too aggressively because now we're binding the hands of future councils. And, uh, you know, we're eventually not going to be able to raise the tax rate. Um, and, it, it, you know, we're going to run out of taxpayer money. So we have to be responsible for the role we're playing in a burgeoning affordability crisis. So, you know, that's where I think the tax rate kind of plays into it. And then the second piece is um, the primary COVID isn't over. The impacts of COVID aren't over. So I think that for the next two years, council isn't going to be able to get through a meeting without talking about COVID and our COVID response. Our unemployment rate is still three times higher than it was pre-COVID. We still have businesses, you know, winter is coming to borrow a phrase. And, you know, a lot of them are dealing with patio seating and outdoor seating and we're working to help help them. But, you know, where businesses are a year from now, I think is going to be very telling. And so we have to be prepared to work with our local businesses and work with families. And so that's going to be, I think, a laser like laser beam focus of the council for the next couple of terms. Absolutely. Lynn, do you want to jump in, too? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, you know, the tax and spend policies has been something that I've argued about as a citizen for many years. Um, you can pull tapes and see me sitting there fussing and carrying on to say, I don't understand how we're not on a budget as a city. I don't understand how they think it's an open-ended budget and that people's pocketbooks are just there for them to freely take from. And they have used the city of Manassas residents as an ATM machine for far too long. And for about five years now, our taxes have raised constantly and consistently. And even two years ago, Ken Elston said, we have to raise taxes now so we don't have to raise them later. And then a year later, they raised them anyways during the pandemic. So I could not be more disappointed in that decision this year. And resident after resident wrote in because they could not come and speak in person due to COVID to beg, literally beg the city council not to raise taxes this year. And it was a 4-2 vote and we were lectured from the dais. And I think that's just unconscionable, quite honestly. When you pivot and talk about small businesses and we talk about jobs and we talk about COVID, our entire old town Manassas is small businesses. They're small business owners. Those small business owners are probably our friends and family. I know they are for me. And I've been at the forefront of asking the city council to be working with the, with the, city, with the city businesses and the small business owners to do whatever they can to help them. Um, they immediately responded and expanded into the parking lot, which I know was a lifesaver for a lot of those restaurants. But yeah, now that winter is coming, it's going to be quite a challenge still for these restaurants and they are barely holding on. There's a few doing better than others, but for the most part, every week, every month, they are just hoping they make it. So we need to be mindful as we move forward and we need to make um, decisions based on those uh, matters without making it um, we need money for schools or we need money for this or we need money for that. Of course we do, but we also need to be mindful of what's going to be happening in the next two years for our residents and our business owners. And, and Lynn, Lynn raises an interesting point, which is that for years, the city's housing policy, for instance, has been, you know, we only have 15,000 rooftops to tax. We need to add more rooftops so that those additional rooftops can dilute the tax burden and that's that's really been a big part of the city's philosophy. And this tax year, this last you know this last budget we voted on was the first time 
a lot of that housing has come online and it did, it generated additional tax revenue. And that was supposed to be used to um, sort of buy down the tax rate and dilute the tax bills across all these new households. And just like Harry said, it was the, you know, we had a chance to substantially lower the tax, the tax rate. It would still have generated a tax increase because of assessments, but we had the ability to lower several pennies off the tax rate and finally take advantage of the fact that we've have all this building happening and council decided not to, you know, finally you know, chose, it's chose really, not to. It's really mind-blowing. It's really mind-blowing because I mean, you know, yes, we, we have Micron and Manassas, but if no one could, <laughs> no one could afford to live here, they're right. not going to work there, you know? People aren't going to believe, uh, I mean, I've said it, I've told people, I was like, do I love that we're building you know, I live in a townhome community, you know, do I, I've told you, yeah. do I love that we've approved these 30 new townhomes? No, but if you want your tax bill to be contained, we have to uh, add yeah. some rooftops. We have to add tax, add to the tax base. I've sang that song. And now I feel like I can't honestly tell people that anymore. I can't look people in the eye, honestly, and say that these projects are meant to help your tax bill when the council finally had an opportunity to show that they meant that. And they still, you know, kept more pennies on the tax rate than were needed. So um, the council's going to have to get more clever in what it's, how it's selling things to people, I guess. I, uh, I guess it was last month I attended a, uh, a politics and pints um, uh, event with, uh, with Ian at uh, Sinestro Brewery. And as we, as we finished up, uh, I noticed there were a lot of people. It, it, was about, it was about five, six o'clock in the evening on a, a nice evening in, in Old Town, Manassas. I noticed a lot of people were, were filtering into Sinestro, a lot of young people. Uh, so I looked, took a little walk around, the, uh, around Old Town, and I noticed even in the pandemic, you've got a lot of people who are coming off the train, who are driving into their, their townhomes, and coming back out on the street and populating the restaurants, populating you know, Zandra's Taqueria and Sinestro and the other breweries and, and, uh, and places in Old Town. That's what we on the Planning Commission and I think City Council have been going for is an Old Town that's vibrant, diverse, an arts and entertainment center that's known throughout Northern Virginia and even the rest of the Commonwealth as a place to go for arts and entertainment. My problem with their, their higher taxes and their, their appetite for higher taxes is we're losing people who can't afford to live here. We're losing people who are on the margin. So it's, it's decreasing our diversity and what I don't want to have happen is have this place turn into Alexandria or Fairfax City. You know, they've got a very nice uh, arts and entertainment center, but they're all kind of the same kind of people. They don't have a lot of diversity. And we're driving. Even, even the where Sophie people. lives, Sophie just bought a house. You said Sophie right in Leesburg? Yeah. yeah. And Leesburg ain't cheap. Same, yeah. same thing there. Yeah. And yeah. people are. <laughs> People are being forced out. And I, I, I heard a rumor that uh, somebody, uh, one, one of the candidates at one point said, well, if they can't afford to live here, they should move. You know, that, and that's just unconscious. It was Tom Osina. Oh, he did. Okay. Tom Osina. And, and, and he's the guy who's the, uh, who's the, uh, the treasurer. Tom Osina. You know, I, it, that is, that's unconscionable. We Did I mention need it was to, Tom Osina? We we need to keep our we need to keep the 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 
a broad range of people, types of people, races, creeds, colors, and income levels in Manassas. Right. So that we're a, we we retain our our vibrancy and our diversity, and I think that speaks to also the sustainability and and making sure that we are mindful of keeping our green spaces and our recreational facilities and having things for family and children. There's a balance. There's a balance to progress. I'm all for progress. I was born and raised here. I haven't lived here my entire life. There was a period that I lived overseas and in other states. And that I think that gives me a really great purview and a global purview and a, a different lens to see my hometown. It's definitely more fun now. And I love that. But what I don't love is watching people get taxed out of the city. And I don't love watching a big divide where you have the haves and the have nots. And that will also increase crime over time as well. So we need to be mindful about what we're doing and we need not be greedy. And at the end of the day, we need to listen to what our residents want. It's great. I'm asking for you to vote for me so I can make decisions. But what I always want to keep to the forefront of the mind is I'm trying to be the voice for the people that live here. And yes, I would like, there's going to be times when I have to make a decision and it's going to be a hard decision. I may not always please everyone, but I'm going to do it with the due diligence that, you know, if you write to me or you call me, I will listen and I will take those words to heart and I will not make it about me. I will not make my vote about me. It will be about the residents. Well, I, I will say that being on council every year, it's like being in the movie Groundhog's Day. <laughs> so we conclude, we finish the budget, the new year starts, and it's like, oh, we've got to have a few more pennies. We've got to have a few more hundred thousand dollars. We've got to have a few more million dollars. We need X, Y, Z. The city's going to fall apart if we don't get X, Y, Z. And it's always, it's always good sounding things. Who doesn't want some extra firemen? Who doesn't want some extra police sure. officers? Who doesn't want to build things? And there's this big debate and it's like, oh, this is the year we need to do these investments. It's so important. Everything's going to fall apart if we don't do them. They begrudgingly, or not begrudgingly, they gleefully drag a, a tax rate across the finish line. Taxes go up. Next year starts. Oh, this is the year where we've got to invest in stuff. Oh, we just need <clears throat> a few more pennies. We need a few more hundred thousand dollars. And it's like, it's the same thing you said last year. I mean, every year you do need to invest in the community and, you know, you start, there's like three starting places for a budget. One is zero tax bill increase. So you say the amount of money we have this year is the amount of money you have next year, period. The tax bills are going to remain flat. The second kind of place to start is inflation. You'd be like, okay, we know we're not going to win the battle of flat tax bills. Can we at least keep the tax bills on average at inflation or below? And we've lost those two battles year after year after year after year and we'll see what happens this year you know there's an election coming up so we'll see what happens but we have to you know try you know start well, at Ian, the you brought up you brought up einstein earlier isn't this i, I believe it was him the definition insanity of insanity is the same thing. yeah <laughs> over and over well, you know we lack a we lack a daily paper you know mm -hmm. and as good as social media is the people who are the most impacted by our taxes can trend to be older people on fixed incomes they're less engaged on social media. They don't have a daily paper laying out the pros and cons. There's never, there's not, there's never been a budget in my eight years where you look at the stuff we're adding and you're like, that's madness. It always sounds good. Everything sounds good. Government can always add things that sounds nice. There's no limit to nice sounding things you can cram into the budget. But you know, if you're not going to try to hold your tax bill flat during an economic collapse and a pandemic, I don't know when you're going to do it. So that tells me that the appetite is endless. Um, 
for how far people are willing to go. And council 15 years from now is going to look back at us and think we're nuts. I, I think that we can, if we are elected, we can attack this because we've done it before. Uh, I remember the Great Recession and the Manassas City Council took some extremely hard decisions. Uh, there were, there were uh, furloughs and, and layoffs of government workers in Manassas. Nobody liked that. But it was done and it had to be done because of the Great Recession. Right. Well, now we're dealing with a pandemic and the economic effects of the pandemic, and that's going to echo down for several years. We will need to make hard decisions, and I think the three of us are willing to make those hard decisions and stand by them. Uh, and I would say also creative decisions. They don't always have to be so black and white. I mean, mm -hmm. having somebody who's willing to think outside the box and who's willing to find a creative solution is sometimes better than someone who's just willing to say yes or no to everything. So I think there's a middle ground. Yeah. Right. I mean, citizens um, want to, citizens are willing to pay for good services. The question is, you know, is your life in Manassas better today than it was three years ago, two years ago, four years ago? At what point are the diminishing returns? At what point is having one additional street widened or, you know, four and a half million dollars for South Grant? You're yeah. at some point you're spending money because you know you can and that the citizenry has not voted against you. And, you know, if you think that people are going to the polls this November voting on Manassas tax policy and Manassas affordability, that's not what they're going to vote for. They're voting for much higher level things. And so what happens is Democrats win in the city because they're latching like grim death to the coattails of people up the ticket. And then they use that as justification for whatever policy they want to cram through. And there's a disconnect there because when, you know, when citizens are voting this November, they're not voting for council members. I mean, God, God help us. I know that we hope that they are, but a lot of them are, <laughs> you know, obviously we all have our fan groups and they're coming out to vote for yeah. us, but the majority of people are coming because of the upper ticket races. And what that does is it allows Dems to clandestinely just say, you know, I'm a Democrat and grab on. And that gives them this false sense that they have a mandate from the public when they win. And I guarantee you that that simply isn't the case. And, um, you know, citizens have to organize during tax time and budget time and make their voices known outside of the uh, campaign season. As, as we wind, as we uh, wind down here, um, I would like, um, and, and we could start off, um, I guess, with, with Ian first, then Lyndon Harry, and then even Sophie. Um, what is one thing you're reading, one thing you're watching? Something fun besides, uh, besides how expensive Manassas is and how Tom Osina doesn't think you should live here. Oh, my. <laughs> I just finished That's You know, I'm reading Tom Osina's posts about how you shouldn't live here if you can't afford it. Um, <laughs> I'm reading, I'm watching, so I just finished up um, Star Trek Lower Decks, which okay. is the car for, nobody here probably knows much about this, but it's the, it's the first uh, cartoon version of Star Trek um, in 50 years, and it just wrapped up um, last week, and then this Thursday coming up is the season premiere of Star Trek Discovery, so I'll be. So you're, you're, <laughs> you're deep in the Star Trek game. You have oh, no yeah. idea. You don't, you don't mess around. around. You no Definitely. <laughs> All right, Lynn, what about you? Um, okay, well, nothing as fun, so I apologize in advance. But reading, I have been 
knee deep in Google documents, researching what's been going on with the baseball fields and Manassas. And then watching TV, I watch a lot of um, Bravo TV. So ladies, that's what I'm spending my time on. We need something to take your mind off things, Harry. Exactly. Uh, Well, for reading, I I read uh, news sites. I I really don't read a lot of uh, newspapers. I don't get any newspapers. I get them all digitally. So even at 71, I'm a true geek. I get everything digitally and I, uh, I, I, uh, I read uh, different websites, the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, uh, normally are the two that I, I read every day. Uh, one raises my blood pressure, one lowers my blood pressure a little bit. <laughs> as far as television is concerned, uh, uh, we have discovered, my wife and I have discovered uh, the older versions of NCIS. So we're, okay. we watch the police procedurals and I'm a real supporter of the police. My wife is, and I come by it honestly, my wife is a retired military police officer. Uh, I'm a retired military intelligence officer. So our kids couldn't get away with anything growing up. Oh, uh, and <laughs> my daughter is, my younger daughter is a national park ranger at Death Valley. And this month she will start her career as a National Park Service law enforcement officer. So I'm I'm a supporter of the police. I'm a real uh, advocate of the police. And that's one of the things I was asked. If you you go to the uh, vote411.org and look at my profile there, look at the Manassas patch, and it has a profile of me there. Uh, I'm a very strong supporter of the police. Uh, it's, it's, It's unconscionable the way people have come up and said, let's defund the police. Let's reimagine the police. That's craziness. So that's another thing that I want to get out there that I'm a supporter of the police. Absolutely. And Sophie, as a newcomer, um, filling in for Matt, what are you reading? Um, Right now I've been uh, reading in retrospect, the tragedies and uh, lessons of Vietnam by Robert McNamara. There's a lot of good lessons to be learned there. (laughs) I don't know how many of you read foreign policy in your free time. (laughs) Actually, Foreign Affairs magazine. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Um, And watching The Boys, new. uh, I just finished. (laughs) Has anybody else watched The Boys? No. Yes, of course. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And and Ian, this is a show up your alley. Lovecraft Country. What is it? Lovecraft Country. I've heard good things. It's on the list. Okay. Cthulhu. <laughs> Cthulhu mythology. <laughs> well, guys, um, thank you for joining us. Real quick, where can we find uh, you on social? Ian, let's start with you. Uh, just look up reelect councilman Ian T. Lovejoy, and you can find me online at votelovejoy.com. Okay, Lynn, where are we finding you? Lynnforcouncil.com. Lynn for Council on all the socials. Awesome. And then Harry. I'm at uh, Harry Clark, the number four Manassas.org. That's my website. And my Facebook page is Harry Clark for Manassas. Uh, I also have a uh, Instagram and Twitter account uh, that says at Harry Clark and uh, or Harry for Manassas. And uh, I, I forget what the Twitter account is, but uh, you can get it from uh, <laughs> you. My Facebook account is, the, is where I'm where I spend most of my time. And if somebody asks me a question, if somebody's listening to the podcast, asks me a question, I will answer it right there on Facebook. 
All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, thank you. Thank you for, for really uh, stepping up and fighting for Manassas and uh, believing that people should live here. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Thank